Welcome to the Erie First Podcast. Today we have another bonus podcast for you. We've been sharing the keynote sessions from this past fall's Breakthrough Weekend Conference. Today we have another session from Pastor Abby Sear. This session is called New Hope and it tackles how to overcome hopelessness. It's a great session and we think you'll enjoy it. Here's Pastor Abby Sear. I'm excited this morning to share with you about new hope because sometimes we need a little fresh hope. Hope is a, it's an expectation, it's a desire, it's a yearning for something good. And when our expectations are not met, how many of you have ever experienced unmet expectations and our desires are maybe unfulfilled or sometimes when we feel like there is more that is difficult than is easy or workable in our lives, we can be subject to experience hopelessness. And yet God has something so much more for us. We're going to jump into the passage in Luke 24 and um, read about the walk to Emmaus, probably a passage that's familiar to you if you've been journeying with Jesus for some time. But I believe God's going to show us just some, some new things and spark some new hope in us today. So to give you a little bit of context, this is after Jesus' crucifixion, and actually it's after his resurrection as well. And the, the women have gone to the tomb. They have been um, just surprised and amazed to realize that Jesus has risen from the dead. Um, they told the disciples, Peter has run to the tomb to look. He's looked in. He's gone home. He's told everybody about it. And so there's all of this buzz in the air. And that's where our story picks up in verse 13 of Luke chapter 24. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things? Jesus asked. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leaders, our leading priests, and our other religious leaders, they handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said that his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. 
So he went home with them. As they sat down to eat, he broke the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really written, risen. He appeared to Peter. And I love this story because it's a story that has such contrast in it. It begins in this space of hopelessness. There's sadness, it says, written all over their faces. These disciples, these followers of Jesus, they're confused, they're distraught, they're disappointed. As they shared with Jesus, the one that they hoped was the Messiah, he suffered and he's been crucified. Yet they've also received these reports, which would feel kind of, you know, just out of this world, right? That Jesus is alive. And so they're struggling in this place. The sorrow is still heavy. The sadness isn't lifted. Even though they've been given this glimmer of hope, they're not sure what to believe. And they need someone to help them make sense of it all. Have you ever felt stuck in a place of hopelessness? Is there even a situation or something that you're navigating through right now that is just hard? And it might feel pretty dismal to be like, think that you're hopeless. But if you have less hope than maybe you're used to in that situation, right? Can anyone, you can think of a situation something that you're navigating through. I want you to kind of grab hold of that right now because as we continue to move through this passage and grab hold of the truth that God has for us, I want us to be able to apply it to the journey that each of us are on, to that place where we might be having that struggle. Maybe like those disciples, we are wearing sorrow like a heavy cloak there have been times in my life and in my journey where my husband will be like, you know, how are you doing? And it sounds so simplistic, but I have said to him, I am just so sad, right? I mean, it's just like a simple, like three-letter word. You'd think maybe, you know, I'm a communicator. I could come up with something better than that. But sometimes that's just the cloak that we're wearing where there's just, it just is heavy and sad. And so I resonate with these followers that had this all over their face, that even though they had this glimmer that there's this word on the street that maybe Jesus is alive, but yet they know that he suffered and died. And so they're in this place. And it's in that spot that Jesus appears and he walks with them. Jesus is a companion like no other. And he shows up to journey with him. And that's the first thing I want us to grab hold of today is that when hope is hidden, Jesus walks with us. I mean, isn't it fascinating that Jesus shows up and it says that, that God hid him from them. Like they couldn't, they couldn't recognize him. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, Jesus, if you show up, clearly you can see these guys are a mess. They're distraught. Like, I just think it'd be more fun to be like, ta-da, like it's me. Like, like no more gloom and doom. Like I'm here guys. But he doesn't do that. Like he takes them through this process of walking with them into this discovery of hope. What we just heard in that scripture is that as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus came and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. And I think that this might be because sometimes 
the journey is as important as the destination. And as we are journeying toward that fullness of hope that God has for us, it's important that we can kind of settle into that spot where we are willing to journey with Jesus and to go the distance with him as he is revealing himself to us. Often between a question and an answer, there is a pause. There is a waiting. Some of you would say you are in a waiting season right now where you have asked the question and you are like in that pause. Jesus is with you in the pause. He is with you in the waiting. Over the centuries, it's, um, it's, it's a, a, a kind of a season of life that is described as the dark night of the soul um, for those who, who have been walking with the Lord for a while. And even in that place that can often feel hopeless, in that dark night of the soul, if you'll talk to people who have been walking with the Lord for years and years and years, they look back on those times. And instead of having bitterness, right? I liked that song today, like, bye bitterness, like, bye-bye, like, you're out of here. Um, but instead of there being bitterness, there's even a gratitude for those hard seasons because it's in those dark nights of the soul that we experience Jesus and his walking with us in a new way. And he will bring us to the other side if we're willing to walk with him and talk with him, to walk with him and talk with him the way that these followers walked with him and talked with him, expressing what it was that they were, that they were dealing with, which again, it's so funny because it's like, they're telling him the story about himself, right? Um, and yet he engages with them and he talks with them and he's helping them to process. If in our times of hardship and sorrow, in those places where we're lacking some hope, we are willing to allow Jesus to meet us there, he will shape us and he will form us. Romans 5 verses 3 through 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So instead of resenting the journey we walk this journey, we develop endurance, we develop this character, and, and, and we hold on to that confident hope of salvation. And I love that the Holy Spirit is so central to this process, filling our hearts with his love, that this journey from hopeless to hopeful, this journey of continually grabbing hold of new hope, it's possible because we're clinging to the ultimate hope of salvation, so we can rest in God's love for us. And so I just want to encourage you today that wherever you are in that space, holding on for hope, believing God in the pain and in the processing, there will be progress if Jesus is your companion. There will be progress. One of the truths that Jesus revealed to his disciples as he was walking with them is a truth that I think is going to serve us well. And that is this, in God's story, suffering and hope are woven together. I don't know how this settles with you, but often I like to kind of think of those as two separate things, like suffering's over here, hope is over here, right? Like hope is like this floating thing, suffering is like, oh, this heavy thing. And yet what we see in this story 
is that, is that these two pieces come together, that suffering and hope are woven together. That, um, you know, the disciples, they're struggling and they're saying to Jesus, like, we're, we're struggling because this Messiah, the one that we had hoped for, he has been crucified. And initially when I was looking at that, I thought, well, they're upset because he's dead, right? They feel like their hopes have died, but I feel like it goes even a little further. I think that they're rattled that he has suffered. And the reason that I think this is because what Jesus goes back and does is he walks them through all of these Old Testament passages where the prophets had said that he would suffer and die. And he's trying, I think, to help them even to understand and make peace that the reason that there is hope is because there was his suffering, because he paid the price for our sin. But even when we come to that space to be transparent, I can be okay with the fact that Jesus needed to suffer so that I can have hope. But there's a little bit of resistance when it comes to the fact that I can actually endure suffering while also holding on to hope. And yet that's the life that we're invited into. That's the life that we're invited into. You know, Jesus kind of, it feels a little bit like a, a rebuke that he gave them. And again, I'm thinking, Jesus, you know, they're really upset. Like you should probably be really nice to them. They look really sad. They're kind of bummed out. But Jesus literally says to them, you foolish people. Like he reprimands them. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scripture and then goes on again to explain that the Messiah would have to suffer. But sometimes I think, a hard truth is what we need to move out of despair and to move into new hope. And we have to be willing to look at the hard truth of scripture. We have to be willing to look at the hard truth of how God chooses to operate and move in our lives to ultimately bring us salvation. But friends, it's so he can also bring that sanctification, that cleansing, that purifying, that refining that needs to happen so that we can be a reflection of him. His desire is that we would be able to partake in his suffering while holding on to hope they're woven together. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 18, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. This is that word that we've already received today, that we can come before him. We are not beggars, we are his kids. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. Now here's the hard part. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. When we walk through our places of suffering, there is a union that we will experience with Christ unlike anything else. That we find our lives hidden in him, that we are dead to us and we are alive in Christ. And friends, that only happens when we are surrendered to his pruning, to his purging, to his refining. And that comes through suffering. 2 Corinthians 4 verses 8 through 10, we are pressed on every side by troubles, 
but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. We have a hope that is anchored in the eternal work of Christ, and it cannot be thwarted by our temporary struggles. And our suffering gives us an opportunity to lean in to the death and the life of Jesus in a beautiful union with him, a union that brings hope and life. And as we are willing to understand that, I mean, because you guys, if we think like, well, I'm going to have hope when the suffering is over, like, uh, hello, like (laughs) that's going to be a long time coming. But how beautiful is it to know that in the midst of the suffering, hope is a reality. We have a hope that cannot be shaken. Our sins are forgiven. Our destiny is secure in Christ. And we have his life flowing through us each and every day. The last piece that I want us to grab hold of as we look at this story and we ask God to continually be stirring new hope within us is that communion with Jesus sustains our hope. It's communion with him. It's relationship with him. It's that intimacy with him. When we think about these disciples, their moment of breakthrough came as Jesus was really illustrating his brokenness given for them. It was as he broke the bread that the Father, the Spirit, allowed their eyes to be opened that they could recognize him. We, we read that as they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. Then he broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. It was blessed. It was broken. It was given. This is a pattern in Jesus' ministry before and after the cross, symbolic of his own life. Blessed, broken, given so that we could be nourished. He is our bread of life. He is our source of hope. His resurrection life flows through us as we are willing to come into that place of intimacy with him. That daily space where we're saying, God, I am dead and my life is hidden in you alone. God, no more of me, but more of you. Lord Jesus, you are the lover of my soul. You are my satisfaction. You are my breath. You are my life. You are my everything. If I didn't have anything else, Jesus, you are enough. And in that space, the Holy Spirit releases that new hope, that resurrection life that carries us day to day to day, that merges for us that suffering and that hope to create a beautiful picture of God's grace, of both the death and the resurrection of Christ becoming a reality in us. Jesus is walking with you today. If you feel like you've had that cloak of sadness, it's time to come out from beneath it and recognize that Jesus is walking with you. And in communion with him, he will sustain your hope. 
I want to pray this prayer over you from 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal comfort and a wonderful hope, comfort you and strengthen you in every good thing you do and say, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed this special bonus podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.